podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show. I'm Mike in the house and we are looking at the playoff picture, which is getting harder and harder to unpick, particularly in the AFC, although we're going to look above conferences, what happened in week 11, how that shapes the postseason frame and Iron Mike's take on key teams, key narratives flying around right now. He is going to shine a light, his infinite wisdom on what the hell is going on in one of the craziest seasons I can remember in the NFL. So we will get straight down to business and check in with the brilliant Iron Mike. Iron Mike in the house. How's life? Life is sweet. And I'm down on the south coast. The sun is shining. The breeze is blowing in off the channel. Uh, Walked along the beach and pool yesterday. It is so nice. I mean, I just love, I grew up on the water and I I just miss it so much. Um, I was, I was really happy yesterday and, uh, you know, nice dinner, nice dinner at the hotel. Um, the only bad thing was went up to the room and turned the TV on and Russell Crowe was playing Robin Hood. <laughs> Better or worse than Kevin Costner playing Robin Hood? Oh, God, that's a that's a tough choice. In this one, in this one, it's kind of worse because in this one, if I remember correctly, he writes the Magna Carta or he he creates the Magna Carta. Well, of for, course, for, John, for King John. You know? <laughs> sure. It, I also uh, honorable mention and we love Costner on the show. Honorable mention to uh, Christian Slater, also a fine actor. But in uh, in that Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, I'm well. Scarlet, apparently from Cleveland. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Uh, it's good to see you, man. Glad to on the South Coast. I hope the uh, Hawaiian shirt gets uh, gets a it's run out. A little mic cool for that. A little peaky. <laughs> a little peaky. Uh, right. We got a lot of business to get into. I Absolutely. Mind. What a week. Another what another crazy week. week. Oh my God. Everything we thought we know, we didn't know, and all that jazz. The We're going to look at the playoff race on, on today's show. I think that's kind of a good way of framing it and then looking back at obviously what happened week 11. Because very hard to uh, to unpick in both conferences. We'll start with the NFC because I want to lead off with with Monday Night Football in the in the can. Of course, the Giants were horrible, Mike. Yeah. I mean, the play calling was retro, and then some from, from Jason <laughs> Garrett. Who'd have thunk the Giants have a bad offensive line as well? I mean, <laughs> we haven't seen that. Guy. I mean, so all the Giants are bringing out their greatest hits. So in that case, how much can we tell from the Bucks' performance last night? Not, not very much, really. Um, you notice that with Gronk back, Brady goes into his comfort zone a little bit more and actually spreads the ball out better um, when Gronk is there. And they tried to run the ball a bit, but couldn't. Um, one thing that we know uh, for sure is that Vitavia, if he's not um, if he's not there, that's a, that's a big loss for them. And mm. their secondary, the Giants didn't test it at all, but mm. you know, the secondary to me is still the the big question for them. Uh, although, you know, they're sitting they're sitting pretty now. What are they? They're they're said there's three teams at seven and three, and uh, you just get this get the sense that once the crunch comes down it, kind of like what we were saying about Kansas city for the whole season. You know, when the crunch comes down, they'll, they'll be playing, they'll be playing pretty well. Mm. Um, because What's the bigger st- problem out of those two that you mentioned, the ground game or, or lack of it uh, or, and the secondary, which do you think is the bigger the secondary? Issue? I think uh, because in a sense, you, you know, you'd like to be able, which is, which I think is one of the themes of the season teams now are controlling the ball on the ground. A lot of teams are. And if you're able to do that, you win, you're going to win games. Mm. Um, not just Tennessee, who now have problems doing it, obviously. Um, but Philadelphia, for example, uh, what they ran the ball 40 some odd times in, in that, in that game yeah. against New Orleans. Um, and those teams may have trouble coming from behind in games, which we've said a lot about other, you know, about, about other teams. Uh, but it's, it's a formula for winning nowadays because I don't think there's just enough good defense being played, um, hmm. not enough good tackling going on. And that may be a factor of, of lack of practice. Yeah, the tackling is, is a really interesting point. Phoebe Schechter uh, and I were talking about it on, on radio on Sunday, and she was suggesting that, of course, the uh, the complications last season might be having a knock-on effect, last preseason specifically, you know, with COVID. And this is a, 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 a long-standing issue now that there is just a fundamental underperformance with so many, particularly in the secondary, but, you know, further forward as well with tackling. How do you think 
that can get fixed, Mike. If you're a coach or a coordinator right now that is looking at a team that is in contention, but that is a, a fundamental issue, right? Which we could put, we put quite a few teams in that frame. What do you do now with six, seven weeks of the, of the season you, to go? There's to not the much. Play? There's not much you can do. You can't right. sit down and, and start running, you know, Oklahoma drills and, and, that, kind, and that kind of stuff, <laughs> right. uh, because you know lots of teams are beaten up, and and mm. partly too. Um, Lots of offensive lines are beaten up. You know, mm. things should be balancing out. But you, you know, the Packers lost um, Jenkins now, so that if Bakhtiari doesn't come back, they're they're in a lot of trouble. Dallas doesn't have Tyron Smith; they're in a lot of trouble with the that. Saints as well. Banged up on the, the Saints line. Saints are banged up on the line. You know, it, it, it's it's really strange because what what you're getting, I think, is not not I was going to say sandlot football, but it's not it's not quite that. But it, it's one of the reasons why these games are so so difficult um, to, to predict. And, you know, I mean, well, let's go on. Let's move, you know, <laughs> let's yeah. move on okay, to teams so, before I drop more teams. In. I, yeah, well, hey, you can drop whatever you want on, Mike. Well, uh, San Francisco, I was going to mm, say. Mm-hmm. I mean, that first drive, the the, the 20, the 13-minute 20-play drive that mm-hmm. took them down to fourth and goal at the one, and Shanahan kicked a field goal. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, sorry, it wasn't even fourth and goal. It was fourth and one. At fourth, like yeah, exactly. One, it was fourth and one at the one and a half or something like, something like that. I couldn't believe it. And, and then he takes a timeout. Because they're going to get a delay of game penalty. But if you're decided, if, you, if you've decided to kick the field goal, the delay of game penalty doesn't matter because a 19-yard field goal becomes a 24-yard field goal. Big right. deal. You know why? You, the way I kickers are the way I kickers are on this season, Mike. 24 that extra five yards. That's could true. Be, could I, I couldn't. I couldn't believe that. But um, mm. what was interesting about it as you watch the game go on, and you know, and they controlled it on the ground. Um, who was yeah. their leading rusher, Mike? Jeff Wilson with 44 Debo yards. Debo Samuel was their leading Debo rusher. had the most yards. Yeah, Jeff Wilson <laughs> yeah. had the most carries. But yeah. Debo, they, they went full quarter Corderell. Yeah. It was Corderell Patterson. You know, let's let's who's our next best runner? Who's our best? Mm. Is Debo. Let's run him. Because mm. the guy they drafted, what's his name? Um, Sal, Salmon or Selman. Um, Sermon. Trey Sermon. Trey, Trey, Trey Sermon. Sermon. Yeah, Salmon, <laughs> Salmon, Sermon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they, um, you know, he hardly touched the ball. You know, yeah. and and it'd be nice if they get Elijah Mitchell back. But mm. uh, that was it was against the Jags. But but I was worried about that game simply because of the jet lag factor. So mm. um, I was kind of hesitant about betting. Ooh, that one. It was my Drew Lock of the week, uh, Mike. So I got that came because I've been on a horrendous run on uh, on edge rush there. So about the comeback, uh, as Paul Newman says in the color well, of money. I'm well back. done, you. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Mike. Uh, so the, the the 49ers are five and five. We'll come back to the West in a minute. I just want to stay in the South. Uh, two things on the South, uh, you know, outside of what we think about the Bucks, you, we touched on the the Saints. Firstly, the Taysom Hill deal. I want to get your perspective on. He signed a four year extension for for forty <laughs> million. Him. Yeah, well, <laughs> playing would help, right? I mean, so in all seriousness, the deal actually is predicated on he gets more money depending on which position he plays. That's going to be. You can imagine the guys in in the account team at the Saints just thinking, oh. God, I'm trying to unpick that deal. Every yeah, I've, down I've, doing I've seen deals like that in baseball, and and some mm. of them might might be um, apocryphal. But you know, the famous one was Eddie Chicot with the with the um, the Black Sox in 1919. Mm. Know, he had a bonus in his contract if he got 30 wins, and he had 29. And then the owner told the manager not to pitch him in September <laughs> That's right, to save to save his arm. You know, and and that I've seen arguments about that, but there's lots of things <laughs> like that. But right. yeah, I don't understand it because um, I, I said last week. I think I think on on the show last week. It, to me, it would it make would make more sense to give Hill more snaps and not make them all wildcat style snaps, you know, mm. give him some real quarterback snaps so the defense can't kind of tee up on Simeon or Hill, you know, make it a little bit harder for them. And you remember when he was playing Hill ahead last year, he was playing Hill ahead of um, Jameis. Yeah. Then all of a sudden this year, Jameis is the starter and, and Hill's not playing very much and he's only playing as an end and a, and a runner. I, I don't get it. I don't get Peyton's um thinking there but i didn't get his thinking when he went for the field goal with seven minutes to go to cut, yeah. the, cut the lead to 11 just the value of a, of a player like hill the obvious versatility in and you know his, his explosiveness in the same way that the value of running backs has regressed although based on what you just said maybe not maybe we're going to see no, a resurgence i, I, think, in deals, I yeah. think it's a resurgence yeah. yeah um the way the nfl has changed offensively as well we're going to see more deals 
like this. Not that many players like Taysom Hill come I, along I, that often, but I kind of doubt it. Um, you already have the problem with guys um, because of the because of the way that the um, the the franchise tags are figured out position by position. You, you already have guys who are like hybrid tight end wide receivers mm-hmm. complaining that they're listed as tight ends, so that. The, the average salary of tight ends is a lot lower than the average salary of wide receivers right. or edge edge rushers who are listed as defensive linemen rather than, you know, um, or vice versa, you know, mm. that. So I think, I think that's going to be a, um, a special case, I think for Taysom Hill. And I think mm. we exaggerate his value somewhat because it's to an extent, it's so much fun to watch. I'm not sure if right. he's like the most explosive kind of running back or receiver or something like that. The versatility in itself is worth something. And he plays special teams as well, which, which mm. is, which is a help. That's a good point. But, you know, but I would not try to build a team around, around Taysom Hill. And when you look at running games to go back to that point that you just made, I think what's happening is that the pros are catching up with the college offenses mm. and they're realizing, just like I said you way back when Chip Kelly took over in Philadelphia and everybody said, oh, you know, wide open passing. Chip Kelly's offense was a running offense. It wasn't a passing offense. It was built on the run on the running game and the run pass options, but it was basically a running offense. And its problem was, A, people figured it out and B, you don't want to do that in the NFL because your quarterback is going to get killed. Well, we've seen we've seen teams do that without their quarterbacks getting killed, although Kyler Murray's injured at the moment. Mm. Taysom Hill could run an offense like that. You mm. know, that, that that would be easy. But I think what you're seeing is is teams now, like he, the Eagles, they're running they're running a run game, run first game from spread formations. Mm. And part of it is that Jalen Hurts is their most, you know, their most I wouldn't say the most effective running back because because they've got other good but, good buddies up there, right? But he's yeah. A, yeah, but he's a threat as a runner on on every play, and that balances out the numbers because mm. you know the basic number in football is that the offense has ten guys against the defense is not eleven because one of your guys has the ball and therefore mm-hmm. can't block. Um, and if it's and if you're if you have a drop back quarterback. Then you have nine guys, you know, basically he's not. Right. So, yeah. So what you're doing, what you're doing is balancing that that thing out. And and what we talked about tackling, if you spread the defense out, everybody's got to be an open field tackler, even up in the line. You know, it, it's it's fascinating what's mm. happening here. And, you know, and I think that's why these um, these blitz zero defenses are coming up where, you know, where, where you've got eight guys along the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. you know, so they don't know who to block. And, mm. you, you, you know, you can play with it that way. He really, he really interesting to see how it how it does continue to play out as defenses get smarter. Uh, uh, well, I want to look at the. Why don't we jump actually? Seeing as we mentioned the Eagles, let's jump to the, the teams that are bubbling under at the moment. So the Saints uh, after that defeat, sound effects courtesy of our Mike. The Saints are five and five uh, uh, as of the record today in that seventh playoff spot, right? So the second wild card spot or third wild card spot, I should say, uh, and then. Just underneath the, the 49ers with a uh, identical record, they're at five and five. The Eagles improved to five and six as uh, the same record rather as the Panthers, who, of course, went down to Washington. Uh, they, along with the Falcons, are on four and six. So not out of contention mathematically, but it's going to be a long shot for both of those. So I guess we're really looking, Mike, at the Panthers up for those for those wildcard spots. Um, I, I thought the Panthers two weeks ago had had turned a little bit of a corner, not because of Cam Newton, but Cam was just like a little cherry on the top. I was a little surprised. Did you see those shots of poor PJ Walker on the sidelines? He <laughs> really PJ. looked like he wanted to be in there yeah. because they were sort of limited with what they could do with Cam. And, mm. and it was like last year with the Patriots. There were certain plays where you just said to yourself, Cam's going to run. He's going to drop back, but he's not going to throw the ball. He's mm-hmm. going to run for the first down. And, and sometimes he gets it and sometimes he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, Minnesota obviously looked good this week to, um, to an extent. New Orleans is trending downward. Mm. They don't have such difficult schedules as San Francisco does as you as you close close down the season. The problem with, mm. the, with the Niners is that they – they have to play in a tough division, but Philadelphia oh, at five, five and six, they could be 10 and six going into the week 18 against Dallas. And yeah. Dallas would probably be because resting. Dallas is probably going to rel- cruise relatively to the playoffs. Mm. Dallas could be resting guys and they could wind, they could wind up 11 and six. Now that it's unlikely. I don't think, yeah, because what's going to happen to Philadelphia is a team is going to take a big lead on them. And Jalen Hurts is going to have to throw the ball all the time. And they're going to, 
to lose badly. But. Well, which of these teams is going to take, because I think you make a great point, which teams out of these are going to make a, a, a put up a big lead? The Giants they've got next, then no. they've got the Jets, <laughs> they've got Washington, they've got the Giants again, yeah, Washington WTF, again. WTF yeah. could. Ta- yes, ta- right. ta- Taylor Heineke reaches the parts that other quarterbacks don't. Um, <laughs> and so he could, you know, he could, he could put some points up. They, they played pretty well against Carolina um, offensively. Uh, again, yeah. running the ball a lot too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, they're all winnable games, but it's it's mm. it's really optimistic to think that they'll actually go on a on a five game win streak before they meet Dallas. I've asked you, I think it's, it's plausible. I've asked you about Heineke a couple of times this season and, you know, you're. Consistent answer, I think, with with backups, Heineke may be amongst the, the best, but he's ultimately a backup is. They, in the long term, can't keep doing it. There's a reason why they're career backups. And I get all of that. And it's it's sound and logical. But in Washington's case, and I know a lot depends on Fitz and if he's going to come back for one last dance, but isn't there a strong argument that if he keeps on playing like this, fine, he keeps to back him next season. I wouldn't, and well, next season is going to be another, because that's the, linger, the lingering thought stays with you. Fitz is a, is a typical guy. I mean, one of the reasons why you can look at Heineke being successful is this was a team who figured they would be over the top with Fitz at quarterback, mm-hmm. which no team has really ever figured before in his career. Um, but, you know, once you get in that, once you're, once you're put in that perspective by teams, they always will look at you that he'll always be a guy. And I like him a lot, but there'll always be a guy you want to upgrade from. Yes. If he's your starting quarterback. Long term, maybe, but if he's given a year and he, and it's, it, you know, you make a great point the way the team is built. And I know Fitz is a different kind of player, but it is obviously defense led, right? I mean, this, this is the, this that's is what this it Washington wants to be. That's, that's what it wants to be. Right. be yes. Yeah. So it, why not for a year, another year? And the proof will be in the pudding, right? If Heineke yeah, steps up. It's a good, that's a really good argument because you really don't want to waste your back, your draft picks. On, you know, if you were bad, then you you take you use your draft pick to take one of the premium quarterbacks in the draft. But if you're Washington, you're going to be in the middle of the pack mm-hmm. somewhere um, draft wise, you know, in maybe in the top 20. You don't unless Mac Jones falls to you, um, mm. you don't want to use the draft picks you could be using to strengthen the parts of your team that you need that need strengthening. Um and uh, on a quarterback, you know, take one in the fifth round, maybe and develop them, you know, which is, I'm trying to remember, did, was, did the Carolina draft Heineke or did they sign him as an undrafted free agent? I think the latter, right? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. Um, and I, I liked him. I liked him coming out of college and he's done pretty much what you thought. He's, he's mm. heady. That's his, that's his biggest thing. He does, you know, he, he, he does, the game isn't too big for him mm. um, and his arm's not bad. Uh, and he's, and McLaurin is, God, McLaurin is a good player. Um, people say, like, who's the most underrated player or just mm-hmm. unnoticed player? Terry McLaurin is a really good receiver. Re- incredible, incredible season he's having as well. So are we looking at the Washington football team as, as based on all of that, as, as out of it in four and six, at four and six, I should say, bearing in mind they're in the East. <laughs> well, they got to beat the Giants. Right. <laughs> they got to beat the Eagles. So that's that's going mean. to be interesting. They, they've got to beat the Eagles. Um are they out of it? No. Um, are they as good a defensive team as they think? No. Um, that's that's the, But oddly enough, with Chase Young out, mm. it's as if they're having to – sometimes you see this with, with various positions. You're having to scheme a little bit more and not rely on your superstar, so-called superstars mm. to, to um, overpower people. You know, and, and right. they're they're getting they're getting a lot of value because they have a. I mean, everyone on that line, apart from Mianonis, is a first round draft pick. Mm. You know, and I think I said this last year; he was the best guy on the line. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's playing up. Montez Sweat should be back sooner, right? As well. Yeah. So uh, on Philly, you made the, a great point last week about the importance of time of possession, and they underline that inevitably, given the fact they were running eight thousand times. But thirty seven minutes uh, they yeah. controlled the. Clock for so at what point do, outside of chasing the game is obviously a flaw in this plan but at what point do you think that the clock will run out on if they're going to the ground to the degree that they are well when you uh, it's when you fall behind um only and, when you fall behind or well i mean that's that's mostly when you you also have to be able to you know convert when you get into the red zone that mm. that's you know if you do what san francisco did three times then you're you're using up you're using up 
half the game and you've only got nine points, nine points. to show for it. And, right. and, and, you know, and the teams can come back. And the other thing is we, t- we talk about this and I, and I'm trying to, you know, tr- make it into kind of like a science of possession and running, but mm. the key play in that game was Darius Slay's interception. Oh, and what a play. That, that turns, that turns the whole game around, mm. you know, the, the balance of the game. Um, and so that, that kind of thing can happen to you either way. You know, you control the ball for two drives, you come away with 10 points. Um, and then, um, on your next on your next possession, somebody fumbles. They run it in for for six, and and all of a sudden you're up ten seven, and the other teams only had the ball for five minutes. Um, and it's you know it's almost like back to square one. Let's talk Vikings because you know they're very much in the mix now with the win over the pack at, at five hundred. And in particular, Mike, I, I want to understand where you think this offense is because I, I think because of Kirk Cousins and he's a, quite a malign figure. Uh, he's, you know, perennial middle of the pack guy that's been overpaid and never really can get it done come crunch time. But he was solid once again against a good defense, right? The, uh, the He's got serious weapons around him. I mean, Jefferson's lights out good. Um, and of course, Dalvin Cook behind him. How good do you think this offense is in relation to the other big offenses in the NFC right now? I think their offensive line is still not not all that great. And and you know, and he completed that pass to Jefferson basically being knocked backwards as he mm. threw. Uh and I, I was amazed. I was sure it was going to be intercepted. Um it was a and Jefferson basically took he almost switched roles, um, you know, with the defensive back. He moves in front of him, in front <laughs> right. of him and intercepts the, the pass. Course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um but you know it, if Savage, if either of Savage's interceptions had held up, it's a different game. And mm. and that that's on Cousins. You know, that's um, you know, one one was nullified by the hold by the um holding penalty, and the other mm. one he didn't control the, in the process of the catch yeah. going to the ground, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. Um so so I'm But the flip side know, of that, he had almost 80% completion, yeah. um, massive passer rating, clutch uh on I'm tempted to say he's better coming from behind than mm. than when they have when they have a lead or when when the, when the game when the pressure's on in that sense he he likes the breakdown sort of a, a, of the game um, and you know and he does have those two weapons he could use another weapon um, mm. out uh, receiving wise because you know Thielen and Thielen and Jefferson are basically it um, in terms of receiving. That's a but pretty he, good hit though, right? Yeah, I it's mean. a pretty good hit. Um, <laughs> but, it, but we've seen what happens like with the Rams with Cup, Cup and Woods, you know, mm. without the third threat. They um, And um, and Cook and Madison are a great pair of running backs too. Mm. So there's, there's that. I think their thing was defensively, they have to get back to where Mike, Zimmer defense, and it's so much fun watching them against the Packers because you know you can see, and Aaron Rodgers can see where the blitz is going to come. You know, and here comes the double A gap blitz, and Rodgers is, is kind of like, you know, kind of like, oh, you you guys are blitz, <laughs> sure. like a video game on easy level for Rodgers. Although <laughs> there was my, that's a crazy stat going into the game, and obviously with the Vikings winning, this extends it. But pretty much every game that Rodgers has played against Zimmer has been really tight. I can't remember yeah. the exact stat, but it's been a between sort of one and five points in it. Well, and every game the Vikings have played this season has been really tight too. I mean, <laughs> mm. under a touchdown, you know, with all, in all those losses um, mm. that they have. Yeah, Zimmer's a great defensive coach. You know, he'll, he gambles, but he also plays really solid and he needs to have what he didn't have last year was, was the secondary that could, they let a lot of guys go for cap reasons. They brought some of them back this year um, when they could afford it because he needs the good secondary to, um, to, to back up what, what's going on up front. And yeah. there was one play where Rogers and, and Rod, I mean, Rogers, I don't understand it. Rogers looks like he's asleep. <laughs> it's like he went back and dropped back and he stood there for 12 seconds <laughs> or something. And it was like, he had, it was almost like he had his, his hand is uh, resting on his, on his, um, you know, on his, on his chin uh, just while he waited for everything to, to kind of happen. And then he, then he kind of motioned to Devonte Adams sort of like, go left and Adams went left and he threw the ball for the touchdown. And I'm just thinking, this is just too casual. You know? Easy for and, and at halftime, what was that all about? What he, do you leaves, mean? he goes down the tunnel at halftime mm. and he's standing in the tunnel and they're saying, oh, he's going to have to come back because they'll get one more play in the second half. And I said, well, Jordan Love can take a knee without throwing an interception, you know, but, but he's standing there. He's got like 
eight state troopers standing around him. Like <laughs> is, it was like a Proud Boys commercial, <laughs> you know, stand up for America, <laughs> protect Aaron Rodgers. Don't wear a mask. <laughs> I think if Rodgers does, which he might inevitably move to the WWE or the other one, the Tony Khan one. As yeah. a manager. It's, a, it's always surrounded by at least eight armed guards. I think you should always enter the ring that yeah, way. What is he? Does he think he's a college football coach? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen that? Now, it, it's like the thing. It's like, and it's a game you have to do to keep up with the other coaches. I think Nick Saban, I, I don't want to say he was the first, but Nick Saban, they have the state entourage. troopers. They always yeah. have state troopers around them. Around you know? him, yeah. It's like the taxpayers paying for these guys to guard a college football coach <laughs> after the game. From who? <laughs> you know, these crazy college kids, Mike, they could take to the field and who God knows what might happen. Uh, all right, let's talk. Um, l- let's talk Cowboys because obviously no Amari Cooper, Tyron Smith as well. C.D. Lamb got hurt. Lamb getting him. Yeah, yeah. And I, I suppose that that was the tipping point, right? That once Lamb went out as good as. Yeah, because the other two, um, Cedric Wilson to mm. play for Kansas City, if I remember right. And and Nash both dropped a lot of balls. Mm. I mean, Gallup was in there as well, but didn't really do much. So yeah, inevitably when you got your top two out, uh, plus an all-pro lineman, uh, uh, blindside tackle to boot, that's going to be uh, a significant disadvantage. Nevertheless, we got to give props to Chris Jones. What a big performance he had. And forget all this talk of the Kansas City offense. The defense Iron Mike, is really coming together. Iron Mike called it three weeks ago. Mm. Right. When they picked up Melvin Ingram from the Steelers, Melvin Ingram plays the edge. Chris Jones moves back inside where he belongs. This whole business of him, you know, being an an edge rushing kind of defensive end was ridiculous. Uh, He was a beast. Mm. That was that was an amazing game. And, you know, not even the sacks. You know, he was he was all over the place. Um, The tip pass as well. I mean, he was everywhere. Yeah. And um, although there's two things about this game that I my two takeaways from this game. One is if you're Mike McCarthy Mm. and I know you want to go with Dak, I mean, you know, the money between Mahomes and Dak that they're being paid could buy Costa Rica. (laughs) I mean, if they, if the two of them wanted to get together and become like co co dictators of a small country, they could, they could do that. It's like Gene Hackman in, uh, was it Superman (laughs) three? What is it? No, Superman two, isn't it? With with General Zod. What is it you want? Australia. Yeah. Oh, and, and, but, but why didn't they run the ball? I mean, I know Zeke came up hurt and all, but Pollard, Pollard is running really well. You yes, know? he is. And, and they only ran, I think they had 16. It's not like you're down by three scores, you know, mm. they, even at the, what was the, the worst point? What was it? 19 to, to six, three, 19 to six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why didn't they run the ball more? That was, that was my mm. first question. My second question is my favorite player of the week is Harrison Butkus. Um, <laughs> because when they, when they got that, when they got that stupid penalty for taunting that, mm. that ridiculous, don't you point, don't you point this? Someone had a great meme of, of, um, John Mara, you know, who owns the giants and has been sure. one of the outspoken foes of taunting, you know, he throwing a chair in, in his, <laughs> in his luxury box at some giants game. And they said, he's pointing at somebody, but, <laughs> but when they did that, they, they decided to move the extra point back to the four, to 48 yards. And Butkus mm. Butkus immediately just kicked it, you know, kind of like, taunt this you know yes and, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. and then late in the game they ran that fake field goal pooch punt which yes. iron mike that's old school Iron mm. Mike loves you know uh quick kicks and pooch punts and that kind of stuff i thought it was brilliant um, you love that so much you go you automatic default to the third person referral there i love that uh well, <laughs> iron, iron mike, mike iron mike hates people who talk about themselves in the, yeah. first, in the third person <laughs> you more than anyone i've ever known does that you and you and the rock uh i think the rock uh all right well let's let's move on through the chiefs to the afc um the road to the AFC goes through oh the Chiefs. Oh, my God. Try, let's try and unpick what the hell is going on here. Stay with the Chiefs first. Defense balling, really stepping up, as you pointed out. Yep. The, the changes. Spag- that I thought Spags, Spags was, was brilliant. I mean, the way they were, we thought they, he might. they were disguising defenses and, and switching around at the last minute and showing them one thing. And, you know, the secondary was running more before the snap than they were after the snap because <laughs> they were all trying to get in position. So all of that is 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 bringing them up after and let's not forget for weeks and weeks and weeks this is the worst defense i've ever seen you know this is all starting to uh starting to trend upwards consistently week on week what about the 
offense. We saw last week, of course, yeah, okay, they're blazing it up, but pretty straightforward opponents. This time around, what do you make of the, they got enough to get the job done, but that's because their defense helped them out just a little bit. So what do you yeah. make of Mahomes and the offense this week? Mahomes is still very lax with the ball and, and you know, leading to turnovers. Um, but they ran the ball. They ran the ball an inordinate amount for an Andy Reid. I think it was 25 carat, 26 carries um, for an Andy Reid team. And that's fine with me. You know, um, if their de- if your defense is going to hold teams under under what is it, 17, I think, in you know, the last three games or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, then then you might as well run up, run the ball, use some clocks, set up, set up the rest of your game. And and again, no disrespect to Pringle or Robinson, but this is another team where you or hard. It's funny, just as I said to my buddy I was watching the games with, you know, I, they just got a Hardman just doesn't catch balls in traffic, you know, and then he caught, made a great catch in traffic and went in, went in beside us. And, you know, yeah. why doesn't he do that all the time? You know, but they really do need someone to take the pressure off, off of um, um, the two. Mm. They also run my favorite play. Another one of my favorite plays of the game, which was jet was Kelsey in the, in the wildcat faking the handoff and just running straight up the just middle running up the gut and, yeah, and yeah. literally literally face to face into a linebacker and knocked him backwards did you great. enjoy that more or less than Jarvis Landry doing a similar kind of thing for the Browns just running more because because it's yeah. a big guy you know yeah you know, okay. they, <laughs> you like- they probably next he's next week he's going to pass the ball out of the wildcat that'll be <laughs> Well, he's got to do because he's not. I mean, he had another drop, didn't he? I mean, he's still not his his usual self, Kelsey. Although, uh, so all right, fair enough. On to the Patriots then, because uh, again, if we look at, at the consistent way that the media seems to be working uh, these days, for weeks and weeks and weeks, ah, oh, the Patriots are done. They're not making the playoffs, and then <laughs> if, if he wins together, they're the best. They're the Super Bowl yeah. favorites well, now, Mike. You know, going into last week, I said, look, they haven't beaten a team with a good quarterback. And last week they mm. beat Baker Mayfield and where we stand on him, we don't know. Um, and Cleveland's supposed to be a pretty good defensive team as well. Sure. You know, um, and this week they beat Atlanta, who are not a great defensive team, but Matt Ryan's the quarterback and they they shut Matt Ryan down almost mm. completely, although he misses Calvin Ridley in, in fairness. Um, so where are they? I'm not sure they can beat the best teams, but who are the best teams right now? I'm not sure Buffalo can beat the best teams mm-hmm. based on what we've seen in in the past few weeks when they, you know, when they play a good team and New England can do what Indy did to Buffalo. You know, Carson Wentz is Matt Jones in that game. You know, it's mm. like not not throwing anything really hard, really difficult, you know, can just control keeping control of the ball. Um they only had they had one defensive touchdown. That 25 nothing is is a misleading scoreline because they only scored one offensive touchdown. Yeah. Um, but um they can control the ball they, running. They yeah, because on the running. So so obviously Stevenson is, is really stepping up. And Harris is really good. They're so they've got that are, tag you know. team punch. And Matt Jones is looking, because during this run, uh, he had a couple of poor games, right? We, you know, he yeah. picked yeah. up latterly the last couple. Not that he had a huge amount to do to your point against, against Atlanta. He looked the most composed, I think, the, the week before. Is, are you seeing and sensing that because of the identity of the offense and and particularly because it, they're leading with the run and that is so effective that he is getting more and more composed as the season's going on? Or is it still a bit of a lottery with Mac Jones? You're not quite sure which Mac you're going to see. They're trying. They're simply trying to keep things easy for him. He makes good throws. I mean, he, mm. he he'll throw difficult passes. He'll throw into into coverage and put the ball where it needs to be. The offensive line pass blocking is still not perfect for him. Um, although it's getting better with Trent Brown back, that line gets a whole lot better quickly, mm. um, and he gets hit a lot. He hasn't been sacked all that much, but he gets hit a lot. Um, mm. He'll because he stands in the pocket and will take a sack. Uh, will take a hit to to get rid of the ball. But the key to New England really is their defense will let them play that running game because their defense is now getting good. The the secondary is getting appreciably better. Now they've adjusted to, you know, losing losing Gilmore and Jonathan Jones and 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 Belichick is kind of figuring out more or less what works better. They play an awful lot of three safeties because they don't have the depth in quarter cornerbacks, you know, and and Jalen Mills 
who in my, you know, is just too small for a lot of the receivers. He's, he's always going to be at a disadvantage if he has to be the outside guy playing, playing basically man to man, but they're a defense first team. Mm. Um, and if they can slow your offense down, I think they can beat anybody in the AFC. The tough games for them will be Baltimore because ball Tennessee, because Tennessee's always tough for them because Vrabel, the teams that aren't scared of Belichick basically. Mm. Um, uh, and, um, you know, and maybe Buffalo. The Patriots Buffalo games will will be really will be really interesting because Buffalo is supposed to be that same kind of team, except they've got Josh Allen at quarterback. Right. Well, let's get on to the Bills then, and and we talked about the Colts offensively, and uh, and of course it, entirely down to well, primarily down to to the ground game and the and the brilliant performance from Jonathan Taylor. But I want to key in defensively. Uh, and what the Colts did to Josh Allen and why the Buffalo offense misfired so dramatically. What went wrong, Mike? The big thing you want to do with Josh Allen is contain him in the pocket, um, not let him extend plays because he's so good at that pass plays or turn, him, turn, turn them into runs if he has to. But if you can keep him in the pocket, uh, you can control. He doesn't, Receiving wise, his, his receivers, Diggs is not, you know, teams are basically trying to take Stefan Diggs out of the equation and doing a pretty good job of it, um, uh, which doesn't mean he's, you know, he falls out of the game completely. It just means he's not going to beat you with 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 those big plays. And mm. and I think, you know, I'm, I'm willing to let Colt Beasley beat me if Colt, you know, COVID Beasley, if COVID Beasley can beat me. Um, then fine, you deserve you deserve to win. But uh, their problem, I, I look at this defensively first because Buffalo is supposed mm. to be the best defensive team in the NFL by by a number of statistical margins, and they mm. certainly didn't look it um, against against Indy. Now they got beat up on the offensive line, and and Indy's offensive line is really good. And I don't know what the injury report is on Big Q, but but if he's out, that's you know, that's like Trent Brown being out for New England, really. He's, yeah. he, he's like the big guy on that line. But Eric Fisher, who I, you know, never thought was that great, you know, good, but not great when he's with the Chiefs, is playing really well. And it's it's easier to do when you're part of a, a unit that can run, control the run like that. Mm. And, and Taylor, uh, you know, even if Taylor's not running Mac, they've got Mac and Hines and, you know, they, they can just keep pounding it at you if that's what they want to do. I also point out that that was Scorigami 1070, apparently. Oh, was it? 4115. 4115. It was the first time in NFL history and the 1070th unique score. In the NFL, I love I love that. Love a bit of scoregami. There's a but there's a there's a good basketball that's uh, flying around as well. Uh, the Quinton Nelson injury, incidentally, is a, a, a aggravation of the, of the ankle injury he had, of course, earlier on in the season when he was on IR. Uh, but I don't think, it, based on the early reports, that it's going to be. No. Well, he's Quentin Nelson. I mean, you know, who needs an ankle? I got another one. Who needs an ankle? <laughs> Just plugs in his other ankle. So what do we make of the Bills then in this slump? That's how, I mean, I, I like the Bills a lot. You know, I, I, I think McDermott's such a good defensive coach. They they can keep team they keep teams under control. Um, but they haven't they haven't done that um, mm. in the past couple of weeks. And I think, like I said, when they play New England, that's what New England's going to try to do. You know, New England's going to try to inflict their offensive line on the Bills' defensive line and, and try to dominate that way. And and the Bills can't they can't do that. You know, um, I, I don't know whether running back injuries really hurt them that much, but but usually it's the line more than the backs. And their line, I said few weeks ago their line is not that good but Allen makes them look better because Allen makes plays by you know himself he can he turns mm-hmm. busted busted past plays into into successful runs and they ran him a couple of times on design runs that worked but they just couldn't do anything um um consistently against them so you know i um they're the, they're down the bottom with with teams that are inconsistent you know i think that's that's mm-hmm. the that's what you get um with Cincinnati and the Chargers and, and Buffalo is that they're, they're just inconsistent since the Chargers defense is bad and they can't, you know, they can't, you're making Justin Hebert, um, you know, play, play from behind all, all the time. And, and he, I said early in the season, he looked to me like the league's MVP. If the yeah. Chargers had any kind of run, I think that may be deserved. Although Eckler, 
Mm. Another one of my favorite plays of the weekend on the touchdown pass to Mike Wilson. Mm-hmm. Eckler's on a bear's right. And the rush comes from the left unblocked and Eckler just spots it right across a bear's face low. So he doesn't block his vision <laughs> and, sure. and takes the rusher out with a block, you know, at the knees basically. Yeah. And, and there's the touchdown pass. And, and Eckler of course had a big game anyway with four, with four touchdowns. And, yeah. Um, so, so they're I, back in the mix now. That's the, so they're six and four, the charge. You mentioned the Bengals, the be- good defensive performance from the Bengals against the Raiders, right? Which they'll take. I mean, uh, 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 the Raiders were, were messy, but the Bengals. The, Raider, the Raiders are messy and the Bengals defense has been up and down. Yeah, that, but that trending up now with that or, or not. Yeah. Or we, is that I'm a, not sure. I mean, I, I want to see, right. you know, I want to see again because because the Raiders, it's so strange because you, you just think Carr. Carr knows what should know what he's doing and has has the weapons to do it. Um, but the ground game too. I mean, they held the, the Raiders to less certainly less than a hundred on the ground, and Jacobs yeah. didn't do much. So that didn't help matters. No, not not at all. And you know, I, I, I I'll be in. I, I don't think it's funny because I don't think the Raid, the Raiders can win in Dallas on Thanksgiving. But they're just the kind of team that might make a sneaky cover. Um, so I'm having a little problem deciding Whoa. deciding that one for myself. Um, Tennessee, who I think for three weeks or so had been winning games luck on luck and good for, you know good fortune going their way, and I thought that's when a pretty Ferkser, good defense as well. When Ferkser recovered that fumble for the touchdown, I thought, oh, here we go again. They're going to yeah. do it, but they but they couldn't do it. They they couldn't put together an offense. Um, I thought there was a really good defensive performance uh, from Houston to keep Tannehill in the, you know, in the pocket, not, not let him beat him. Tannehill, when AJ Brown went out, all of a sudden he's got no receivers at all. Cause, because Ty Johnson was out. What's he, what, what are they going to do? What's he going to um, do? Yeah, sure. So, you know, and, and I thought Baltimore played pretty badly offensively, you know, and then in the last quarter, all of a sudden Huntley turned into Lamar Jackson for, you know, one, one drive or whatever. Um, but if Lamar's back, I think Baltimore, Baltimore remain a threat. Kansas city, New England's probably in the top three or four right now. Mm. Um, Buffalo, maybe and Indy in the pack behind them. I think Indy's the team that worries me the most um, if I were not, it would worry me if I were another coach Cleveland with Chubb back or, or a different story. Yes. Um, much as I like Duranis Johnson, Chubb's a, Chubb's a, you know, a step, big step up from him. So oh, just on that, but it's, it, a really, it's a really, they're more balanced. I mean, there's more balance in that, in that um, side than there is in the, in the Browns, in, the, the, in the NFC. What's the jump up for because Deontis Johnson, you're right. I, I love him too. He's every time he's been given the the opportunity and the responsibility, he stepped up. And you look at statistically anyway, his numbers have yeah. been good and he breaks off some big runs. But why is Chubb such a ma- or is it the fact that there are both of them in there and they can mix it well, up? Well, that helps. That helps too. Um, I just think Chubb Chubb is more of an explosive threat individually than, mm. than Ernst Johnson. Johnson's Johnson's He's not completely a take what's there runner, but he doesn't, you know, Chubb's got that that incredible blend of size and speed, you mm. know, kind of Derrick Henry-ish, not not Derrick Henry, but but kind of Derrick Henry-ish, you know, and 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 he's he makes he makes it a different, I think, and maybe it's just that they play with more pizzazz when he's in the lineup because uh. they because they they're aware of that, the offensive line is. Um but you know, I I think in the AFC, what you've got is probably eighteen, uh, no, ten teams that are right now all sitting in a bobbing up and down. Where am I mm. this week? Where am I next week? Kind of thing. We're in the whereas in in the um, NFC, you've got five teams that are going to make take the first, sure five, yeah. first yeah. five places, and then you've got like. Four maybe that are you know that are bobbing around, be, if, but only for the only for the last two wild cards, you know. Mm. And and does anyone really think Minnesota or San Francisco or New Orleans will progress beyond the wild card game? You know, most I'm sure. Okay, out of the wild card game, on that you go all the way down to twelfth in the AFC and the Broncos are sitting there at 500, right? So the Broncos Raiders, both 500 Cleveland six and five. Same yeah, as I have, I have no great faith in the Raiders. Um, and I'm not, <laughs> I don't have much in the Broncos. Um, and I think life becomes harder for them. If Kansas city, 
starts being Kansas City again. Mm. Um, but as I said, the, the Chargers are up and down, and you catch right. them on a bad day, which Denver, especially with their defense, is able is has done. Um, yeah, it, it's fascinating right now, and and I don't know. I think. I think lack of consistency is really the theme of this story. Although, as Mike Tanier said, the real MVP of the NFL this year is penalties. <laughs> and that's another factor of lack of consistency because the referees are completely inconsistent. There's, you know, there's no consistency within a game with the same crew, much less across the league, crew by crew. But, but you know, teams that can put the same performance out there week after week are going to be the good ones. And, mm-hmm. and that, Arizona with their defense, Green Bay with Rodgers. Um, the Patriots have got to be in that. The Patriots defensively, yeah. you know, maybe um, Baltimore defensively. Yeah, uh, you know that that's what's going to win win games for teams, and that's what if Kansas City's offense reverts back back to form. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Andy, I, I liked what I liked in that game, even though they only scored nineteen points. Andy was really trying to find what's going to work for the team to create a create a new offensive identity he ran mm. the ball as i said a, a lot you know and and i think he's willing to play with it to try to get the best out of what he's got yeah and on that point i mean well they're sitting in that seven and four you know when everybody was writing them off as but they might not even make the playoffs disaster bill they were still winning <laughs> winning games they yeah, were too much too much yeah. talent you know yeah, not, right. not to uh-huh. Uh, so right in the frame okay out of that chasing pack then so if there were the bill sitting in the seven spot uh, with the two games against the Patriots coming up. So it's going to be either one of those for the East and the other one should get one of one of the wild cards you'd assume. But out of the, the chasing packs of the Steelers, five, four and one, the Colts, Browns, Raiders and Broncos, you, you've called the Raiders and Broncos, I think as, as long shots there. Yeah. And the Colts, you said you think are the most dangerous side right now that could go on a bit of a run. Yeah. And I, I think they're, you know, they're very well coached. Um, obviously what you're going to think of is that Wentz reverts to form, you know, and they've lost a couple of games they shouldn't have lost. And, you know, Wentz was a big part of at least one of those games, um, you know, with handing the ball to a defender, (laughs) you take it. Um, (laughs) Pittsburgh's an enigma because they want to be a running team and don't really have the line to make that work. And Ben, all of a sudden out of no nowhere, I didn't even expect him to play. And then out of nowhere, Ben's all of a sudden throwing balls downfield again, you know, and, and maybe they put a new arm on him. And while he's, he's that another, week. A, another narrative that Ben's done, you know, is he, yeah. he going to be pulled during the season and here they are. And he's suddenly looking yeah. a little and, bit and, like old Ben, you know, and when they're, when they're, um, when Watts playing and, you know, when they're at full strength defensively, they're always going to be a problem for teams with whose offensive lines aren't good because they can put so much pressure on you. And uh, if, I mean, when Cam Hayward laid the people's, the people's fist on Justin Herbert in the, in the general vicinity of the groinal area, I mean, I was amazed he wasn't ejected from the game. Yeah, I was amazed Herbert Herbert rolled on with that. So what? (laughs) Well, he he was having trouble calling calling the plays after that. One (laughs) thirty-eight. So what we're concluding in in many respects, I'm Mike, is defense wins championships. Ground games are going to be critical, uh, and as a result, controlling the clocks fundamental. So we are back in two thousand and one, effectively. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's what we're, that's I want to be at. back in 1951. <laughs> Actually, no, that was when the Rams were were playing, you know, wide open offense and winning games. But yeah, I mean, control the ball and let your defense win. It is all is always a, a good um, a, a good game plan. And yeah, and the story, the reason why we talk about defense winning it is that really great defenses can all usually stop even the best offenses if they come up with a good game plan. And that tends to happen in the big games, um, you know, offense, high powered offenses that play from the front, then run into two or three good defensive teams in a row and, and have trouble adjusting to, to that e- each week. But it doesn't necessarily mean that often, you know, we've seen offenses roll to Super Bowl wins. Um, we saw, you know, what weeks after everybody said, Oh God, you know, Kansas city, new Orleans, uh, um, San Francisco, 52, 48, that that's the new NFL. Yes. We're never, never going to see a low scoring game again. And right. the Super Bowl was 13 to three. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And the Rams were one of those teams. Yeah, of course. And that inevitably, inevitably they were, uh, follow the big man at Carlson sports on Twitter. Uh, what are you writing about this week for your Patreon column? Um, 
Well, Sam Huff, who uh, we didn't talk about, but just quickly, Sam Huff, middle linebacker, New York Giants, late 50s, early 60s. Um, great player, not necessarily the best middle linebacker in an age where middle linebackers were the equivalent of quarterbacks. You know, when we were looking at, you know, people didn't say this game is quarterback X against quarterback Y. They said it was quarterback X against middle linebacker Y or mm. Jim Brown against Sam Huff, which used to be one of the, the scripts all the time. Um he was a very, very good player who had a couple of good years with Vince Lombardi in, in Washington. And Lombardi had talked him into not quitting the Giants um, because he was one of these small defensive linemen who they got moved to line middle linebacker. Bill George in Chicago was kind of the first. But when Huff became a middle linebacker, the Giants and Tom Landry was their defensive coordinator. They went 4-3 all the time. And within a couple of years, it was the standard. Every team in the NFL played a 4-3 without without. Um, exception. So he was really good middle linebacker through his career. He was a really good announcer at Washington with Sonny Jurgensen in a pair, and they were just often hilarious to listen to. But after the one of the things, and I think I list five things that made the NFL the most popular sport in America. And after one of them, which was the greatest game of all time, the champion, overtime championship game with the Giants and the Baltimore Colts, Johnny Unitas and Sam Huff. Um, he got the t- cover of Time magazine in an article about how pro football was becoming big on TV because mm-hmm. pro football was almost exactly like the rugby league in Britain. It was the mm-hmm. hard game played by hard men on Sundays in the industrial North college football was the glamor sport that had its big bowl games that were like internationals. And then from that CBS, the 20th century, which was kind of the forerunner of 60 minutes, Walter Cronkite presented the 20th century. They did a whole piece called the violent world of Sam Huff. And that single documentary pushed any number of people into football into wanting to see it. It was brilliant. And they had a mic, you know, and, and some guy hits him from behind, you know, a receiver and end comes down, hits him from behind. He says, you know, Huff turns to him and says, you do that again and you, you, you won't, you won't have any teeth next time. And you know, that was football. That was really football. What was. year was that? The, the, that, that was documentary. 60, I think. 1960. Um, it might've been made in 59, but I think mm-hmm. it aired, aired in 60. Um, it's probably out there somewhere. I didn't even, even look, but yeah. yeah. So I'm going to write a long piece about Sam Huff and, and the change in the NFL uh, for Pat- Patreon this week. Brilliant. Patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson. F M T E is where you check that out. Brilliant stuff, bud. Enjoy the beach. Enjoy oh, yeah. the break. Can't wait to get out there. Sun shining again. This is fantastic. Enjoy bud. Good. To see you. See you next week. Okay. Lovely stuff from Mike, as ever. We will be back with him next week. You can count on that. We're also back later on this week uh, with Propo for Edge Rush. Uh, the Drew Lock is back on. That's what I'm going to say. Well, actually, no, I mentioned that with Mike, didn't I? <laughs> the comeback kid. I've saved face for at least one more week. So lots of good stuff. Uh, a lot of fun on Edge Rush. We're going to check in with Ben Isaacs as well, of course. Uh, week 12 preview. It's Thanksgiving too. So enjoy the Thanksgiving games, three of them. Eat, drink, be merry, uh, and we will be checking back in with you later on this week. We'll see you then. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.